But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said that. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. You can hopefully see where I'm standing right now. Every marked piece of land here is a memorial to the dead. Hundreds, thousands of people have been laid to rest here. And if I'm taking a deliberate trip to this location, other than visitors, I'm not expecting to find any real signs of life here. I'd be looking for a specific spot with a specific name on a piece of marble or rock or granite or limestone showing where someone who has passed has been laid to rest. And that's much like the women in this passage. Three are named, but there's probably a half a dozen others. And they've come to a specific location where they were expecting to dress the body of an executed loved one. Frankly, after what Jesus endured, they would have had to prepare themselves and steal themselves mentally for a pretty gruesome task. But then as they arrive, they get their first red flag. Even from afar off, they would have noticed the big stone covering the entrance now being missing. In other gospel accounts, we read that they've been wondering how to get around that hurdle to do what they needed to do. And as they get there, they find, well, this is at least one job they don't have to worry about. But then it gets stranger from here. They take those steps into a strangely open gravesite. And they find that the gruesome body that they were fixing to work on is now missing. Suddenly nothing makes sense. On Friday, they watched the 36-year-old man suffer terribly and die in seemingly meaningless fashion. They watched him be laid to rest. They'd been anxiously grieving for all this time. They couldn't do anything as immediately as they wanted to because of the Sabbath. But the first chance they get on Sunday morning, they would be at his side doing what they knew to do, doing what they needed to do. At least this was the plan until this latest setback. Right now, it's anxiety heaping upon anxiety in the hearts of a handful of grieving women. But fortunately, this is where the supernatural kicks in with the intervention of the two angels. 
This development is clearly awe-inspiring, with a mix of both reassurance and challenge thrown in here at the same time. The women are clearly blown away by their presence and their dazzling appearance would bring any person to a similar response to these women. But the news that these angels have would be the best thing that they would ever hear, that the man they came to attend to in death is very much alive. But there's also a deep challenge here that reaches out to us this Easter Sunday also. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? The truth is they weren't. In this place I'm standing at this beautiful time of day, I'm not expecting any human life to be around me right now. And neither did these women. So I have a bit of sympathy for how they might be reacting to this challenge right now. But at the same time, the angelic challenge tells us that they actually should have been looking for life, not death. The angels remind them here that they were told clearly a number of times that death was not the end. Matthew 16 tells us this, that, that, from, that Jesus would tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many things at the hands of the elders, that the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law would step in and he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. We have at least three references to this. Those closest to Jesus were clearly told about these things. But sadly, it looks like those closest to him had brushed it all off as a little bit too hard to digest as well. But now in that empty gravesite, the penny is dropping for these women. And all that had previously been meaningless now made a whole lot more sense. They remembered what Jesus told them. And their faith came alive because it was now coming to pass, just as he said. If only the disciples back at their homes were able to remember what Jesus said too, then they wouldn't have been so dismissive of the women's claims. But Jesus was about to show them for certain that he was indeed alive and well. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and feet and still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder though. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. 
It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent, and you are witnesses of all these things. It looks like these guys had been given a fair bit of time to digest the things the women had said. Jesus has been risen since dawn. The other gospel accounts tell us that the women had actually seen the risen Christ. Uh, Peter and John had looked for themselves and found the empty grave. But in the meantime, Jesus traveled for seven, several kilometers with two disciples walking back to their home outside of town in Emmaus. It's not until the evening that Jesus makes his physical presence felt among the men who had followed him for three years. And make no mistake here, despite his appearing in their midst, this was behind closed doors. It was a supernatural thing. This was a physically risen Jesus. The disciples were able to touch him and poke around in the wounds of his crucifixion. They were able to give him food and watch him ingest it. These are all things that a doctor like Luke was writing to give detail to ensure the reader knew this was a real person who was once dead but is now very much alive. This was important because these disciples were now being made eyewitnesses of this event. Jesus rose physically from the dead. And these guys, as well as more than 500 others, saw him alive and well, according to all the biblical accounts. But there's other things in play here that Jesus wanted them to grasp. These are pertinent to you and I. You actually didn't need to see Jesus in the risen flesh, as it were, to be able to believe that it happened. In fact, Jesus even said to one of them, Blessed is he who believes having not seen. Those other things are the words of Jesus in his three years on earth as well as the words of God himself throughout all the ages, both of these perfectly complementing each other. So God is proven here to be 100% faithful all throughout time. Jesus is able to unfold the Old Testament with his disciples and show them where his death and his resurrection was being pointed to. I also reckon there might have been a bit of gracious, I told you so, thrown in there along the way. But now that they knew, they were also given a mandate to share this far and wide. The message of these newly appointed witnesses has huge meaning and it's something I want to draw attention to, to you right now. The short message that Jesus gives them right now is that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Forgiveness of sin, think about that, the ledger of all of our deliberate wrongdoing and all the regrets and the death and all that stuff that comes out of it gets wiped clean by the blood of Christ. This promise comes from the one who proved his faithfulness and power and ability to make that sort of statement by rising from the dead. The risen one who is Jesus offers forgiveness of sin. And he calls on us to repent, to drop our agendas and our selfish ways, to stop trusting the values and the belief systems of the world, to remove ourselves as the rulers of our own lives and destinies, 
and to put all of our trust and all of our allegiance in the risen Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, I can't escape that angelic challenge. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Some of us watching today might be in that position. You might be aware of a Jesus who hung on a cross, but you've let the narrative stop there. Don't get me wrong, that's powerful in itself. Jesus paid the penalty for sin on the cross. But the resurrection is absolutely vital for us to know that eternal life is a certainty. Some Christians don't have a proper grasp on the resurrection. And I would encourage you to go below the surface of what you believe. I would encourage you to, to let your gospel be more than simply Jesus died for me. I would ask you to nail down the conviction in your life that Christ's resurrection is the proof that we need in order to know that we ourselves will rise even after this life is done. 1 Corinthians 15 says, if Jesus didn't rise, then what's behind me is pretty much the end game. Others may be learning of the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the very first time this weekend. That's happening more and more at the moment. We're no longer in a world where everyone just knows this stuff. So that's totally fine. It's amazing that you're with us here. I thank you for journeying with us in this broadcast. So now that you know, what will you do with that? Will you continue to dwell on dead things or look to the life you can have in the risen Christ? I wanna offer two things. First, the opportunity to contact us, to engage with these things in something more like a conversation. This online world that we're in at the moment makes this easier. So no matter where you're coming from, no matter where you are right now, we'd love to hear from you. And the details on screen right now will help you do that. But I'd also like to give the opportunity to start this faith journey here and now through a prayer of belief and repentance. I'd consider it a privilege to be able to help you do that. And you'd be welcome to repeat this prayer after me, if you're willing. Why don't you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in your death for my sin. And I believe in your resurrection and the hope that comes with that. I place my full trust in those things right now. And I repent of my willful wrongdoing, my sin. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of those things. I make you now the ruler of my life. And I choose no longer to be the king of my own destiny and life. And I make you that ruler instead. I believe in you. I trust you for forgiveness and for eternal life. And I thank you now. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, I really would like to hear from you. I'd really like to engage with that. And we'd like to give you some material to help you uh, continue to, to, to go deeper with this stuff. And perhaps even help you find a church if you're too far away from us. To everyone, thank you 
for joining in with us over this Easter weekend. Let the power of Christ's resurrection be a reality and a conviction in your life. Stop dwelling on the dead things of our past lives and instead live in the power of being raised even now from death to life through the resurrection power of Christ. God bless you. Thanks for being part of this broadcast. We'll see you next weekend.